You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums. It's here before you die. episode we'll be talking about rem green in the room i have rob whiny crabby people make me mad and on the line i have ben hi and kyle rob you know that song's about <laughs> tiananmen square massacre right you son of a bench <laughs> green is a 6-2 album by american rock band rem released november 7th 1988 by warner brothers records producer was scott lit and rem the genre is alternative rock and i'm gonna read from the book gareth thompson A frenzy of media coverage regarding freak weather conditions saw mid-1988 tagged with The Greenhouse Summer. In November of that year, R.E.M. released their sixth studio album. Its title captured the new social concerns of the liberal left, and the music sent this Georgian quintet into stadium territory. And for all the power chords and punchy choruses, Peter Buck's deaf mandolin appears on three remarkable ballads. Green's message is first evident on the cover, where foliage and tree rings and telegraph poles compete. The background is swathed in orange, a reference to the chemical Agent Orange employed by U.S. forces in Vietnam to raz a third of that country's forest cover. The illusion is also pursued lyrically on the double-barreled guitar blast of Orange Crush. Though R.E.M.'s next tour promoted Greenpeace and Amnesty, Green is far from a political manifesto in rock song. On World Leaders Pretend, Stipe's concerns are entirely first person, and Turn You Inside Out finds him wrestling with the dilemmas of fame. Are R.E.M. the best band in the world? Ask Andy Gill, reviewing Green in Q Magazine. He decided they were, and so did millions of others. All right, what do we think of R.E.M. Green? Masterpiece. It's really right. good. I thought yeah. it was okay. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. I was really impressed with the other REM records because mm-hmm. I don't think I had really sat down and just concentrated. So I think this one, it hit me, but it wasn't that like, I I, I just... Yeah, document I, through me for a fucking loop. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like document like got me so hard that... Yeah? <laughs> that, Tell me uh, more. Green <laughs> was just kind of like, yeah, more of the same. It's good. It's it, it's really good. It, it's it's really good. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as strong a record as Document was. Um, I'm sorry, Bert. You really think this is more of the same? No, I, I'm just saying. You know, I, I'm more familiar with this REM, and mm-hmm. so when I was listening to earlier REM, it it kind of threw me for a loop because I had never just focused on okay, what is REM doing? Where mm-hmm. does this come from? What you know, the context of it. And Green feels some. Like something I'm a lot more familiar with, still great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm not um, dismissing it in any way. I'm just saying that for my personal experience, Green uh, hit me differently yeah, than, than those previous records. Closer there. to Automatic for the People. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Things that you are much more closer. With. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the introduction of the mandolin, right then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. that mandolin that was introduced first on the replacements. Let it be. 
Mm. Is that the same mandolin? No, but it's Peter Buck playing the mandolin, <laughs> so I like to think so. Uh, no, oh, the, okay. I think my favorite thing is that this is an Italian mandolin come liar. <laughs> yeah. That Peter yeah. Buck is very fond of. I think it's cool that they introduced it. And I also think it's cool that this album marks the beginning of uh, Peter and Mike Mills and Bill Berry uh, trading instruments every once in a while. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know Peter Buck can play, he can play guitar or mandolin. Uh, Mike Mills can play bass or accordion and Bill Berry can hold down a bass line. So it, it, it's, it's cool to, for them to be exploring different ways that REM can be uh, arranged and the different ways that they can sound. And I, I, th- I think that that's a cool sonic exploration that they're doing on this record. And I know that uh, they were originally intending to have like the, the split it into halves, have the side A be the rock half and side B be the uh, accordion mandolin half. Uh, but they just, <clears throat> they had more rock songs that they wanted on the album than, than acoustic ones. But I'm glad that the acoustic ones still made it in and REM's definitely going to dive even further into this with upcoming albums, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad they mixed it up. Um, I, I don't know if I would really enjoy a full side of their acoustic stuff versus a full side of their rock stuff. I think it's better mm-hmm. as a kind of a hodgepodge. I think so too. I think the mix is, it, it would, I don't know. I feel like it would be a little gimmicky or something. Mm-hmm. I like the, the, the different uh, way it's, it's tracked between the, the sequencing is, is quite good. Yeah, it is. It comes off really strong. <laughs> Scott Litt's production is, mm. what do you guys think about this production? I like it a lot. Yeah, I like it as well. Uh, Scott Litt's production. Uh, I mean, the, the, that goes back to what Birch was saying before being a little more, f- more familiar with, uh, this sound. And cause I think Scott Litt does yeah. everything up through monster, right? This is him. Yeah, it's 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 here. It's clean. It sounds uh, it doesn't sound digital. It sounds uh, analog. And yeah, I I think it's wonderful. I mean, it sounds big. Orange Crush sounds like a a fucking U2 song. It sounds huge and assaulting and powerful. Like, yeah, I think he was definitely a, a major factor in their success into moving more into the pop atmosphere, atmosphere and <clears throat> moving towards that sort of pop rock. Yeah, I mean they they decided to write only in major chords uh for for this album and the album that they switched from a uh from IRS to Warner Brothers. And yeah, major it, major it, major. Right, Thank you, Rob. Yeah, right, that's fully a big fucking excluded. deal. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, the, the wiki took said, to stadiums. Wiki said anywhere between six million to twelve million dollars was the contract they signed. Does anyone have an actual number on that? We've talked about this before. I've heard it was as high as ninety million dollars. It what? was huge. Um, I'll look it up real quick. Uh, but yeah, it's it's an enormous amount. Um, eventually, you know, it, it paid off. But it was a it was like it was the biggest amount in rock history at that point. Yeah, I love to. Um, you know, when they started doing this album, they they kind of talked to each other and they said, all right, no more writing R.E.M. songs like get yeah. away from the jangle. Well, Michael Stipe said that to the band. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. it's like, yeah that's a fair point. It is a bit of a change. It still sounds like R.E.M., but I can absolutely hear this. The shift. Yeah. You can't get away from, I think, who you are as a band, but you can try to. Tamp it down. Tamp it. Tamp the jangle and the. Peter Buck's gonna jangle. <laughs> like, like we're listening to his stand right now, and he's 
He's jangling around stand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> who's whose first listen was was this, this past is, week well, with this record? In its entirety, uh, me. Yeah, yeah. In, in okay. its entirety, me. Okay. How about you, Birch? No, I've heard it before. Uh, about thirty years ago, I got this cassette in an Easter basket. Yes. Nice. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, right after uh, Out of Time came out, I was really into it. I had it on cassette, so I got this like right after in my Easter basket. I remember playing. Um, I had rented little Nemo's Dream Master for the Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was playing it on my little 10 inch black and white TV and listening to this album over and over. That's a good memory. It's to this day, every time I, I listen to this record, I I see like that game in my in my head. That's crazy. I'm just sucking the top. Yeah, this is uh, Cadbury eggs. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those gateway bands. I was a little baby dude, and you know, um, this record hit me pretty hard. It's not my favorite REM record. It might not be in the top five, but this uh, this record rewired my little baby brain. Does anyone have a hard copy of this? No. I have it on cassette. I, have it on <laughs> <the CD. laughs> I believe have it, he just it, informed you of his, his cassette having. Do, do you still have it? I'm curious about a detail on it. Yes, I do. What's the, Yeah, what are you curious about? Uh, on the track listing, what track is Stand? What is it, like four? Well, yeah, but does it, actually, head, does it actually say the number four or does it have the letter R? I could I could dig out the cassette. I didn't dig out the cassette. It, you hear about, I, it was like a design thing they did. No. It, I think that what it was was on some like early mocked up version of it. Uh, you know, the four key and the R key are so close to each other on on uh, a keyboard that the cover said instead of green, it said G four E E N. So they kind of just did a play on that. And on, on the initial pressing of it, on the cover over the R of REM and the R that's in the word green it was an embossed four. Uh, and then on the back, the track listing goes one, two, four, five, or one, two, three, R, five, six. Huh. They just like wanted to, it's a continuation of, of the goof. And they kind of made it like an inside joke type thing. I'm like, man, I wonder if anyone had no, uh, you just assume a four is going to be there after three and before five. So I was curious to see if someone actually had one, if it really says R or instead of four. It was next to a chocolate bunny. (laughs) (laughs) Fake Easter grass, which was green. Um, Like there's a couple songs on here that I I don't think are great, like as an adult, but. Yeah, which ones? (sighs) Okay. The Wrong Child. What do you guys think about that one? Uh, would you like to know what I wrote next to it? Yes, I would. Smell the swing set hands. What is this pap? <laughs> See, but that's a song that I, you know, when I was in middle school, R.E.M. wrote some songs that got me through some tough times. And yeah. sure, they're broad and maybe cheesy, but uh, The Wrong Child, not a song that I, one of my least favorite songs from this record, but as a child, I heard that and I was like, oh, I thought it was good. I thought it brought in a little more of Michael Stipe's, you know, like sparseness. And I, I don't know, it had a different feel than a, a lot of R.E.M. songs. So I thought it was it, it, cool. It deserved to be on here. I, I didn't uh, dislike it. Yeah. No, I mean, as far as like a great album, I think that's just one of the lesser songs. Um, but there's some big heavy hitters on here. World Leader Pretend. Yeah. What'd you guys think of that one? Neophytes. Uh, the snare bothered me. 
I mean that that, that too big. Uh, or his echoing hits. No, it's like there, there's like an extra snare that's just on the chorus. It's just like yeah, yeah, bah! yep, yeah, yeah. It yeah. has that yeah. sort of like echo oh, snapback. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not, not, a, not a fan of. I thought it, it was kind of cool. I found it distracting. Okay. Okay. But I'm I'm just picking at nits right now. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're that's what we're here for. Yeah, just to, <laughs> just to, just to pick at it. Uh, I thought that the first side was a much stronger side than the mm. second side. Wow, really? Yeah, man. Uh, I, I mean, I, I love Orange Crush. It was weird. I remember Orange Crush. I thought it came out about the same time as Monster did. I did, too. Wow. But wow. I, I think that Orange Crush was just on the radio once, once the frequency Kenneth, like, hit yeah. the... Uh, like, I think it just, mm-hmm. like, came back in the rotation. I, I mean, that song's fucking amazing, but... Yeah, like hair shirt and turn you inside out. Uh, not really my jam. And I'm wrong. You didn't like turn you inside out. No, nah, not so much. You didn't like that groove. No, I like turn you inside out. I liked. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember thanks, California, uh, but I didn't like yeah. the lyrics. Lyrics were a little. It was just slightly off for me for some reason. Yeah, and it, it, I thought it was interesting. I, I loved what he was doing, but there was something just like. But I think Michael Stipe does that for me sometimes. It's, he has obscure lyrics in a way that it's just like it not all of the time connects with me. Right. Yeah, as the records come out, they become a little less and less opaque, um, perhaps to their detriment. But I mean, if you look at their earlier records, I mean, some of those you guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> those lyrics are inscrutable. I think this one might have had a lyric sheet if I remembering correctly yeah but only to world leader pretend Oof, that's they what include, you need. They, it's the first you're right ben you're right i remember yeah they that include, was it's the first rem rem album to include lyrics but only to one song stipe <laughs> was super proud of that he said it's about leonard cohen all right it's kind of his uh uh reptiles and samurai it's kind of about like <laughs> dueling no seriously it's you about think, like dueling you, artists you think he was just a, staring at that uh cover with Leonard Cohen eating a banana being like <laughs> we're doing this thing <laughs> get this banana. thing down come play with me I whisper to my listening to uh the wrong child right now and i think what it kind of remind me reminds me of is like the david crosby album tracks on some of the crosby stills and nash records just like they'd bury them deep inside too and it'd just be like like david crosby singing and just kind of like a round of vocals and like and and like and like tweedling yeah yeah this this is like if i could only remember my yeah which is interesting because they're getting away from the bird's jangle, but now he's incorporating other <laughs> elements like the repeating snare that you heard. The, the he's just following vocals. Crosby's career. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, in, yeah, I'm interested. <laughs> so, sort of the, uh, yeah, obtuse lyrics and yeah, yeah, it is. I really it's, didn't like the bird, so maybe that's it. <laughs> 
so when this was uh, released, they went on a mammoth, like a huge world tour, mm-hmm. 140 dates over four legs uh, with them playing. And then they took a whole year off for the first time in their career. Asia, uh, all corners of Europe, as well as two extensive tours of North America. It was yeah. uh, critically hailed as one of the you know best rock tours of 1989. Yeah, 11 months that's and crazy. I, I, I would imagine with what, the kind of the kind of deal, ca- like cash deal that that they were being rumored about, whoever, whatever the actual number is, eighty million. Yep. I, I I'm sure that a mammoth tour was part of that contract. Uh, uh, Warner Brothers gonna is gonna get their taste somehow. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's like, interesting you, to think you that got, you guys this are band, <laughs> like REM of all bands, you know, would become briefly one of the biggest rock bands. Around for like the better part of the nineties. After this, yeah, yeah, they 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 were rocking stadiums, like up through like what up? Yeah, I mean this this is the last. This is one of the last of the stadium bands. Like, oh, you're right. Foo Fighters. Foo Fighters are a stadium band. Yeah, Uh, yeah, but I didn't really like them either. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, rock bands that are could fill a stadium. Well. I mean, this is like right around the U2 thing. Like, I mean, yeah, yeah. We just heard uh, those uh, U2 chunka chunkas on uh, Orange Crush there. Sure. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. Echoing off the stadium walls. Heck yeah, it does. Yeah. Uh, But no, yeah. I mean, we're it's like the indie bands are taking over the stadium thing. And then eventually that's just going to all fall apart. But yeah, I mean, like who I I don't even I I don't know if we've ever tried to, like, uh, figure out who was the last of them. But this has to be the beginning of the end. And when you're saying stadium, that that's like like I'm talking like the Hoosier Dome. Yeah, I'm talking the big places. Okay, I think that I don't know. I don't I don't I I think you might be off the mark there. Rob. I'm not sure. There are still like giant rock shows like. Yeah, but the. I'm but like, a lot of those bands are old dinosaurs. Exactly, yeah. it's Rolling Stones. I mean, I just heard, I just yeah. saw, I just saw an ad for like Corn and Evanescence. I think. Yeah, you think they're going to fill out Market Square, man? You think they're going to fill Ma- out Market Square Arena, Rob? I know that was bulldozed. That was imploded in the year 2000. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, are you, no, are you no, Lucas Oil Stadium? Yeah. Do you think it would <laughs> fill up? Like, do you think they could draw in that many people to fill an actual stadium? I don't think they could. No. Is this a theoretical about corn and evanescence? You brought it up, I mean, buddy. That was your. You were going to show me that Stadium Rock still exists with corn Bro, and evanescence. Bro, after this, corn <laughs> and evanescence are that's a, that's a festival lineup anymore, not a stadium lineup. Sure. Yeah. You know, that's a bunch of people standing outside. Not in a- also. I would argue REM is a singular band. Maybe you two that could mm-hmm. that could just bring okay. everybody to the stadium. Without yeah, I mean, anybody. for a while that that uh, was it Vertigo or the 360 tour. I mean, you two had like the highest, yeah, uh, money making concert tour of all time. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you, Kyle. I honestly don't understand why a stadium full of people would show up to see REM either. <laughs> but I mean, it is it, it's a mystery. Like I saw REM live. I saw Radiohead open for them. Uh, that's exciting. This was about three days after the Benz came out. So okay, Grandma, let's get you to bed. Yeah, <laughs> tell you some awesome stories before you go to bed. Uh, 
They had <laughs> during this tour, they had a 26 song set, including seven encores. <laughs> Judas Priest. Yeah. Man. They also they did the the show that they did what would be considered their hometown show, the Atlanta show. The very uh, last show on the tour. Yeah, they did all of Murmur start to finish and then all of Green start to finish, which was like the only at least one of the only times songs like The Wrong Child and Hair Shirt were performed live. Yeah, which hair, is, hair cool. shirt. Yeah. What a what a treat. <laughs> we touched on it a little bit uh, uh, a minute ago. But I want to I'm curious about this isn't something I've put that much thought into. It kind of just came up just like the implications and the ramifications of of a band that's an indie darling band like R.E.M., like for their first five albums, then becoming a a, a, signing a a upwards of some say, what, 90 million dollar, 80 million dollar contract with Warner Brothers and playing. That's got to send mixed feelings through the scene a little bit. Jason Newstead is entering in the camera right now to say, <laughs> yeah, Metallica soul sells out every, every seat single in, seat in every, every stadium. City. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were, uh, they were super like kind of bitchy about the, uh, like people calling them sellouts. Like it hurt their feelings, even though like, I mean, yeah, almost less so about like REM as a singular band and also just about, for, for like for like indie rock or like post punk or whatever you're going to be calling REM for a band to then go from that scene to being this big it's almost people like to be able to control their 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 their, their darlings that's well that's the they want to plant their flags yeah that, that is yeah. uh the, the big thing though is this ba- I, I see REM and Sonic Youth in the same boat where it's like okay New York hipsters doing the noise underground thing. Right. So they do mm-hmm. a couple albums and then they, uh, sign to who's the black flag label, uh, SST. SST. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think REM was kind of the same way. And they they realized that just because we're on a small label, doesn't mean we get, we don't get screwed over and like taken advantage of. And if we go to this big label, it'll give us more distribution. We can do what, and we can do whatever we want. Yeah. And that's what REM asked for. And they, and they got it. They, they got the whole got car yeah. launch. Yeah, we will not yeah. interfere we will with not anything. Do, yeah, yeah, you can do they, whatever you want. They did what they wanted. Warner, like the, the, the amount of money that they took from Warner wasn't the um, wasn't the most they were offered. It just Warner had the what had the part of the contract where they, they had total creative freedom. Exactly. And I think once you are an artist and you say hey, I'm making money and I have total creative freedom. So there's no what's the problem here? You know, if I don't want to do something, I won't do it. If I do want to do something, I, I, I think for me that that makes a lot more sense. It's, it's interesting like, because, yeah, I mean, I, I know this is like the late 80s, but Rob, you you were there with me. Do you remember going to see the Jesus Lizard after they signed to Capitol? Yeah. And like people in the audience being like, what did you sign to Capitol? Solos, you know, like yelling at them. Yeah, that was a that was a real thing. And it, I think it, it it got progressively worse as a as as, a, as the 90s like kicked in. Like um, the idea of authenticity, authenticity. And, and yeah, just like. This is a discussion for a different thing, but if you can think of the first band in the '90s that actually like like 
indie darling or whatever that licensed their music for a television commercial. I would like to know that. It was Candlebox. <laughs> Just kidding. They were never darling. Yeah, they were. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the, uh, the 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 concept of authenticity and like you know, no, you should all you should be sleeping on my floor every fucking night, like when you guys right. are on tour. Like mm-hmm. that's authentic, man. Like, you, you should get home from tour and and pick up your bartending yeah, shifts again. Put on your you fucking know? apron and go flip a burger. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I liked REM until their that song "Stand" was on the opening of the sitcom. <laughs> get a little life. I think there's Poor a difference. shit. Uh, there's a difference between wanting to build up a label and wanting to build up like the community, this community or this, this sort of idea. And I think that's where that a major thing where minor threat was like, well, we'll just start our own label. We want to do that. And other bands don't want to do that. They don't want to just be like, yeah, we want to be completely dedicated to this label. I'm, no, they want to play music and they earn want to play music. And I never thought of yeah. IRS as a like small indie label. Like I mean, with the I band, mean, it's not Warner Brothers, with, but uh, sure. But I mean, with just with the roster they had, like sure. it was pretty fucking insane. And uh, to, Boingo, uh, Boingo in there, yeah. yeah. Uh, to like the uh, REMs, like qualms with them. They they were kind of getting played by IRS, like mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. They they weren't seeing anything really like for the amount of albums they were they were selling and they had no sales like in Europe like that was a real big problem for them and Warner sure. Brothers fixed that immediately exactly you know? yeah distribution is was a huge thing at the time I think now we might have different ideas because it's like well you can just do everything on the internet like what's yeah. the big deal like everything yeah, we can do digital yeah. and vinyls easy to press your own and you know. It's a little bit different than than the sort of distribution rates. If you are confused, check with the sun. Carry a compass to help you along. Your feet are going to be on the ground. Your head is there to move you around. So stand in the place where you live. Now face no think about direction. Stan. Uh, went to number six on the U.S. Billboard charts when it was released. Second of the album's 45 uh, standalones. Four, sorry, four 45s. Four 45s, so there was side A and B four times for singles. Mm-hmm. How many tracks are on this record? Ten. Ten. Were, no, were, these, the, were the side B's uh, album tracks, or were they like uh, unreleased you know, or like good. demos or something? Good question. So let's see, the singles, that'd be Stand, Orange Crush, Pop Song 89, and what? Get Up. Uh, World Leader. World Leader. Mm, World Leader Pretend. Yeah. Two-Headed Boy. (laughs) Hey. Oh, I'm I'm positive uh, that... uh, That'll be here. That does Ding Dong. Oh, sorry. No, no, I'm I'm wrong. Orange, you're right. Orange Crush, Stand, Pop Song 89, and Get Up. Ha-ha! Yeah. Nice. I just would assume world leader what are you doing I, my my zipper broke i'm sorry <laughs> it's not important right Stupid now chair. all right rob go put on your hair shirt <laughs> i hate my hair shirt yeah hair shirt just reminds me of like after getting a haircut like uh i thought it was interesting that they released this album november 7th 1988 in order to Coincide with the U.S. presidential election. Yeah, Dukakis yeah. has it, baby. They like, love <laughs> that. Was so Stipe that, was Dukakisized. That is so strange. I feel like for an artist to 
be like, no, we really want to release it on this day. I just, I, I get know. it because you know, really, yeah, because we got George Bush. Like, I I mean, I understand that, but why? Why do you want that to reflect your album release? I guess is my question. They gotta rock the vote. <laughs> they gotta rock the vote. Then they should have released it three weeks beforehand. Yeah, don't rock the rock vote. The hindsight is twenty twenty, my friend. <laughs> uh, a hair shirt is an uncomfortable shirt worn by certain religions uh-huh. as a sign of penance. Like yeah, I remember being a. Bad, I, you've got to put on the hair shirt in middle school. Looking Religion's that up in like an encyclopedia. <laughs> Being like, oh my god, <laughs> I don't want to wear a hair shirt. <laughs> yeah, that, that that is really weird. And they must have been such a like. You just see Michael Stipe like sitting there with his little party hat on, like the uh, little noisemaker, and fucking Bush gets elected. Like, <laughs> yep. It's <laughs> <laughs> a sad look in his eye and puts on that hair shirt. Got to go put on that hair shirt. <laughs> This country needs an anima. Do you think that during the the green uh, world tour at the merch stand, you could go up and buy an REM hair shirt? No, <laughs> but maybe. Did you have that written down, Ben? No, I'm a dad now, so bad jokes come easily. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do I think about the album? Like I said before, didn't grab me as much as the others, just in terms of I was more familiar with this. But still, overall, I mean, a really solid record. Yeah, uh, it it's an interesting in between record, and I don't know how that sort of ranks. I think you said it, Kyle. You're like, I don't even know if this is like in my top four or five, but it's still good. REM's a good band. No, thanks for bringing that up. Like, um, you know, when I ranked these REM records, I was like under twenty, so. Yeah. I'm sure I've listened to this in the past 20 years, but listening to it again, uh, it's, it's fantastic. It kind of, uh, I appreciate it more than, than I used to. This is a great record. Like I said, there's a couple tracks that aren't completely up to snuff, but everything else like. So is that a positive? Yeah. Yeah. It's a positive. When I was reading about this album cover, I read that the reason it was orange was so like if you stare at it for a few seconds and then close your eyes, the burned image on your retinas is green. That sounds like some after the fact bullshit to me. That sounds entirely made up. I don't think that's why it's orange. I don't know why it's orange. Maybe agent orange, like Birch said. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But I don't know. I'm not buying. I'm not buying that. That's why it's orange. (laughs) BS detectors going off. Okay. Go down down to Athens. (laughs) To Michael Stipe's vegan restaurant and shake him and shake him down for the truth. Turn him Michael Stipe down. didn't write their Wikipedia page. Some fan <laughs> wrote their Wikipedia page. How can you be sure? <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Does it help that Orange Crush, the actual single, is green with orange writing? Ooh, that does help. It's very intentional it, like, that this is uh, orange. Okay. So this is kind of a forest from the trees moment, just so you guys know. Yeah, that's what I think too. Oh, I was hoping I just pulled up the cover of the single. I was hoping it was going to be the same as the album cover, only green instead of orange. I thought that would have been funny. Yeah, it's slightly different. Actually, it is a, very, very similar though. It just has a different it's a, it's, photo it's, background. Yeah, it's a, yeah. 
It's it's similar design, similar style, but different photograph. Yeah, yeah. I do like that it's green. That may actually that make that makes me feel better okay. in, in my heart. Okay, good. Uh, what do you think of the album though? I like it. This is a first listen for me. Uh, I like this album a lot. I've got stars by m- most of these tracks. And did it take you a minute to get into this, or you were just kind of like, no? Well, uh, I think I mentioned before when we were when we were listening to Document, I am a automatic for the people era REM fan. That was my entry point. So Mm -hmm. now that we're kind of getting into that, I'm reminded of why I started liking the band in the first place. Like I I listened to this album just like first time through. I was like, yeah, this is a good REM album. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I remember like getting uh, automatic like the day it came out, you know, like it was already like a solid R.E.M. fan by that point <laughs> in the early 90s. Yeah, um, it's it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's hard for me to I, I, deny I, it. Right? I, yeah, I, I can't deny it, but I mean, uh, and I'm going to do it because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a dick. Like the fact that we all like I would rather be listening to Tim. I would rather be listening sure, to sure. the other replacements record that should have been in this as opposed to to this one. And I I can't fault this album because it's good. It's but I I'm neutral on it. I'd I'd rather listen to the replacements. That that's where I am. Yeah. How that's much more are, 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 are we getting after this? Are we getting two more after this? Uh, one more. One more. Are they getting one more? Is it, it out of time? Is it, or is it time? automatic? I think it's out of time. So we're not getting automatic for the people. It's got to be automatic. Automatic smokes out of time. I can't imagine either of those albums not being on here with what we've already covered by the band. I would like, it's I would be I, new adventures in hi-fi monster. It's, monster. it's going to be no, reveal. No. I know one element's not going to be it is monster. <laughs> was monster a stinker? Was I just a kid? No nope, monster it? smokes. It's yeah, great. Monster's great. That was the two where I saw them on. Yeah. I remember when Radiohead opened. Yeah. They went straight days to after rock. the Benz awesome. dropped. Uh yeah, we're just gonna get automatic for the people. Okay. Well, there you go. Wow, no out of time. Okay. Nope. Wow. That's surprising. That is Kyle, surprising. would you have if only one of the two were going to be covered in this book, are you glad we're covering green or do you wish we could swap it for out of time? Which one as an REM big REM fan do you think is Oh important? thanks, Ben. That's a really thoughtful question. Um <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'd go with green, to be honest. Yeah. It's tough. That's like that's a that's like a Sophie's choice. There's some great stuff on at a time, but you know, I I kick them both out of bed for automatic <laughs> for monster. Yeah, yeah. I got a soft spot for monster. I'm not gonna lie. I like monster. We all do. Yeah, we, it's we, good. It was a it was a certain time in our lives. Absolutely. All right. Next time we'll be talking about Happy Mondays. Bummed. Thanks, y'all. Got my spine, I've got my orange crush. Don't call me. I've got my spine, I've got my orange crush. I've had my fun, and now it's time to serve your conscience.